okay there's so much here there's so much here there's so much here <laughs> I, wow. I don't think he what okay let's start with you are locked on yankees your daily new york yankees podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. With me, as always, is my producer, Steve Granato. Steve. I was going to ask what's going on, but there's a lot going on. It's still rocking and rolling, Stace. Uh, the first official week of the offseason is pretty busy for us here. Thanks for clicking on the show here today. We have a ton to get to. Of course, as a reminder, we're still five days a week here on Locked on Yankees, Monday through Friday. So make sure to hit subscribe and don't miss any of this crazy action so far. The Yankees have made an offer reportedly to a hitting coach. We're going to break that down much later in the show, but we have to get to some media availability. Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner spoke to the media. Why? Let's not get into that. We have a couple of clips that we wanted to break down, Stacey. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Here is the first one. We're going to start with Cashman. We'll get to Steinbrenner a little bit later. Maybe you're making well, a point on behalf of others. young players come up and succeed in the major leagues. Am I missing the young players who are coming up who with are the Yankees offensively succeeding in the major leagues? So so you're saying that we, we can't produce major I'm not saying you can't. I'm asking you describe it as indisputable. I'm asking you where, like, the, ultimately. But, you, but the, the example you want to say right now is, is Volpe, I guess, and Cabrera. Those Cabrera, are the two, right? Cabrera, Peraza. Peraza. Like, if they were performing, they would have kept getting more at-bats. They didn't perform, and they didn't. But Peraza's not getting everyday reps. Right. He's got Glaber. He's got Volpe now. He's got LeMayhew. Prior to that was Donaldson. There was not a lane for him to even play. So I don't even know why he used Peraza. Well, these are your young players. I understand that, but he's got to have a spot to play for you to be in a use well, his name. Well, if he would have hit, he would have played more. He didn't hit, so he didn't play more, right? Well, where's he going to play? Well, if he hit, he would have played. Who would he, if he hit? Like, this is Abbott Costello. Uh -huh. If he hit, who's he <laughs> taking out? LeBeau at third? Is he taking out Volpe at short? Is he taking out Calabria Torres, right, who was you, one of the best second basemen in the American League last if year? If you want to win, you're going to play the guys who are hitting. If he hit, he would have played, right? I guess if he hit better than Volpe, he would have played shortstop, and he would have won the thing out of spring training. But Volpe won it out of spring training. I think it's a stupid discussion that we're having, personally. <sighs> okay, there's so much here. There's so much here. There's so much here. <laughs> I, wow. I don't think he... What, okay, let's start with... Shout out, Joel Sherman. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why this had to turn into a battle, but it did. And you stuck, you just stood your ground. You did the right thing, Joel Sherman. Great job. Great. Yeah. Job. I mean, he really did stand his ground there. I was very uncomfortable all four times I've listened to that now. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. My question is this is a, this is pretty simple. The best player plays. And if you're saying that Peraza shouldn't have been there because there were guys in front of him, like Donaldson and LeMayhew. Peraza was playing potentially better and should have gotten a look earlier in the season. We said that all year. We've said that for two years yeah. and it's not computing, right? Like I'm not crazy. It's not computing to him. Yeah, no, it's not. It, there was, there was, I don't know, some sort of miscommunication there. Like he just wasn't getting it. And I wanted to be like, dude, like, you know, when you want to like shake someone and be like, mm, why aren't you understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth? I feel like Joel Sherman wanted to do that. <laughs> Yes, because it was very clear what he was saying. The best player should play. And Cashman, or, he was just not understanding that, like, at all. 
You know, especially and when he brought up Donaldson. I'm like, yeah, sir. that doesn't. He was hitting better than Donaldson, and he should have gotten a chance over Donaldson. And for you to in, you're in hindsight now. You know how you say hindsight being 2020. Right now it's like hindsight being 60-10. Like what you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Like you still don't get it. That that's that one drove me crazy, Stace. That one Actually, in this, in this case, hindsight's 2200, which is me in this eye because I'm legally blind. <laughs> there you go. There yeah. you go. Mm -hmm. Insane. Insane. That one made no sense. Yeah. If your 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 argument shouldn't be, well, Josh Donaldson was there because you let Josh Donaldson go. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Uh, we have more crazily enough we can't spend too much time on one so let's go ahead and take a listen to this next one we wanted to set the record straight on this one i think we have good baseball people whether they're pro scouts whether they're coaches whether they're the manager whether they're the general manager uh, whether they're um, analytics guys i think we have good people i'm getting permission requests all over the place we just lost our bench coach to the mets as a manager uh, i've got analytics guys trying to be poached to other clubs right now <coughs> um, our player development program no different than other places but again, reinforcement that we got good people. I'm proud of our people and I'm, I'm proud of our process. Doesn't mean we're firing on all cylinders, doesn't mean we're the best in class, but I think we're pretty good personally. And uh, I'm proud of our people and I'm also looking forward to 24 being a better year than 23. We wanted to set the record straight here because that I think we're pretty bleeping good quote is getting thrown out of context like <laughs> everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. let, let's, let's be fair here because that's yeah. what we do. Well, there are plenty of things to call Brian Cashman out for. This is not one of them. Right. He was he clearly talking about, talking about his, yeah. His front office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because everyone's taking it as him talking about the 2023 Yankees, which that's not what he's talking about at all. No. <laughs> and uh, it's disingenuous. It is, um, I can't even think of the right word right now. It's, it's journalistic malpractice that mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, outlets are reporting it, pushing that quote like not, he's talking about the team. Right, and not attaching the context to it because that makes yeah. you think he's talking about the actual roster and the team and what the product that was put out in 2023, which would made, I mean, that caught fire as soon as they all started because that's really what they were all tweeting out. They didn't tweet the rest of it. <laughs> and that's what people ran with. And you know how... Um, rational yankee fans can be and it was perfectly calm time on that app called used to be called twitter it was perfectly fine after that came out yeah uh so we don't do that here on locked on yankees so we give you the full context and the full story and that's what we did so there you go now you know that just wanted to set the register straight you you could feel however you want to feel about the front office and their jobs sure. that they've done there's plenty to be there too but it you you can't take that quote out of context and we won't so there you go all right, we have one more quote here in the segment. We have plenty more later on in the show, so don't go anywhere. But let's go ahead and take a listen to this last one uh, in this segment from Brian Cashman. People talk about we're analytically driven, right? We have the smallest analytics department in the American League East. Is that a shocker to you guys? We have the largest pro scouting department in all of baseball. Is that a shocker to you, to everybody? Shouldn't be. But no one's doing their deep dives. They're just throwing ammunition and, 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 and bullshit and... Uh, accusing us of being run analytically. Analytics is an important spoke in our wheel, but it, it should be in everybody's wheel, and it really is, is an important spoke in every operation that's having success. There's not one team that's not using it. We're, we're no different. Uh, but to be said we're guided by analytics as a driver, it's a lie. <laughs> Why are you bragging that your analytics department is small? Right. 
Right. He says that like it's a flex. We have the smallest analytics department in the AL East. It's like, and where did you finish in the AL East? I mean, if the Boston Red Sox didn't fall off a little bit there in September, you would have been in last place <laughs> with that small analytics team. Good job. <laughs> what? What? Because in one breath, he's saying we have no analytics. And then in the same breath, he's going, we have all the analytics like everybody else. Right. So which is it, bro? Which is it? <laughs> I don't get this. I don't, this, this is like everything that was said on Tuesday is, is head scratching. Obviously something's not, something's not right. There are some fair baseball things. Yes. But he was really fired up. Right. Like it feels like Why? he, like he, I feel like he walked out of there expecting a fight with the reporters and he was just yeah. like totally like keyed up before he even started speaking. I, I mean, he was walking around. I said it on Twitter. He was walking around like how umpires act because they know they can't be fired. Like, that's how it felt like. Like, it felt like he was just like, yeah, I could say whatever the hell I want here and nothing's going to happen and I'm going to do it. And that's basically what he was doing. It was it was unhinged. Yeah, why, why so aggro? Why so <laughs> aggro? Oh, it's one of the weirdest things I've seen in a while from the Yankees. I We've don't... seen a lot of weird things, but... <laughs> I don't understand, again, why are you bragging that your analytics department is small? That's not a good thing. You should have a, a large, well-staffed analytics department. Size doesn't matter. Everything here, I get that. Like, you got to have the smart people and the right people. I get that, too. It's just a weird angle to take. I, I just don't understand what you're getting at. Um, we've said it a trillion times in the show. Analytics is not bad. Analytics are good. It's all about how you apply those analytics to the field. That's what matters most. So. Size matters not, uh, to, to quote a, a, a famous man. So I, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't get why so aggressive. So aggressive. So aggressive. So, so aggressive. Um, don't run anywhere. We have another one from Crashman. We also had some stuff coming out of Hal Steinbrenner. Uh, that's coming up here in just a second. Don't forget to leave a question on Fan Mail Friday. Pinned comment here on the YouTube side. Of course, you can join the Lockdown Yankees Insiders Club as well to get Fan Mail Friday priority. And, of course, text us about this uh, to have this discussion a little bit further. So check that out. 14-day free trial. All right. We're going to step aside more when we come back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now is the perfect time to join if you're new because new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 right away if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel but have been hesitant for whatever reason, this is your sign. This is the absolute best time to jump on board. The app is super easy to use, and of course, FanDuel gives you all the tools to score big like spreads, player props, over-unders, and a ton more. This weekend, the Giants will be in Texas to take on the Cowboys, and the Jets will be out in Vegas to take on the Raiders. So again, it's the perfect time to get started. Go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL. NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Back now on Locked On Yankees. We're going to get to these quotes here in just a second, but just wanted to let the everydayers know coming up this week here on Locked On Yankees, making the case for Cody Bellinger. Big week here on Locked On Yankees. So we're going to be giving you the pros and cons about what signing Bellinger would look like and come to a conclusion that's coming up. So make sure to hit subscribe. All right, back to these quotes, Stacey. We have one more from Brian Cashman. So I get a kick out. I get a kick out of like Joey Gallo gets named on, but since Joey Gallo left us, who's picked him up? Two playoff teams. 
the Dodgers traded for us, traded them for us, and then the Twins who just made the playoffs. Or Sonny Gray, he's currently in the competition for for uh, a Cy Young Award, right? So I'm, I'm getting. I'm, it's interesting how they get written about these players. I get it because whether they can play in New York or not, which is always a difficult thing. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, we're still doing this. You can't brag about Joey Gallo when Joey Gallo combined between the Dodgers and twins appeared in one postseason game as a defensive replacement in the ninth. That's it. He didn't make the postseason roster for the twins. He had an injury in September, but he also was activated by October. The twins elected to not add him to the roster. The Dodgers who lost to the Padres in 22, didn't use Joey Gallo. The whole reason they got Joey Gallo was because they needed a left-handed bat. They were looking for a platoon guy against right-handers and a de defensive help in the outfield. And Stace, can you just, you, you take the Sonny Gray part of it. You take the Sonny Gray because that, Sonny Gray resurrected his career in Minnesota. The Yankees nearly ruined Sonny Gray's career. That man was on the brink of losing it all because of what the Yankees tried to do to him while he was here. It wasn't a matter of him not being able to play in New York. It was a matter of the pitching staff or the coaches um, trying to change his game and making him throw pitches that he wasn't comfortable throwing. <sighs> so I just, whenever he brings up Sonny Gray, I want to bang my head into a wall because again, they really could have ruined him and he resurrected himself because he went to the Reds, right? And then he went to the yes. twins and, you know, with the twins, he's seen a renaissance and he's, you know, doing really well and, you know, good for him. Thank God, because I was actually really worried about him when he left the Yankees because that was really bad. That was a bad experience for him. And we all were high on that trade. That was like really exciting. He was coming over from the A's and, you know, I thought it was going to be great. And then when I found out what they did to him, I thought to myself, no, that's your fault that he didn't work out in New York. It's not his fault. It's the team's fault. Preach. Preach like it, it, you can't you can't take the parts of history that you like. You can't take the bits and pieces of stories that make you look good. Mm. You have to take it in totality. Right. That's what you have to do, because that's reality. Yeah. We're here in reality. This <laughs> on Yankees exists in the reality of this planet. Mm -hmm. Let me say that. I mean, for the most and part, for, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not our uh, uh, break from baseball segments, right? But <laughs> everything other than that. But you can't just take little pieces that make you look good. It's like, look, the Dodgers wanted Joey Gallo. Well, why <laughs> did they want Joey Gallo? And how did they use Joey Gallo? And how did right. Joey Gallo work out? Right. You can't push that. Well, the Twins wanted him. Yeah, the Twins liked him in April when he hit like two twenty five. Yeah. And then after the fact, didn't bat over like 190 for the rest of the season, then got hurt, and then didn't make the postseason roster. Mm -hmm. That's not how that works. And Sonny Gray is should be a cautionary tale of how you guys learn from that mistake and yeah. move forward. That's the difference. <laughs> it seems like you're not learning the lesson. Right. You're not learning the lesson. And that's what's maybe the most frustrating is these things happened, and yes, maybe one day you can look past them. Like, you can look past Joey Gallo now. It's been a year. You can move past that. It didn't yeah. work out. You feel bad for Joey Gallo. You wanted him to work out. He wanted it to work out. It didn't work out. And that happens. But you can't now then go, that was still the right decision. 
and that was still all worked out good. I don't know why it didn't work. I don't know. <laughs> Look, we were right the whole time. It seems like you're just trying to save face the whole time. Yeah. I don't understand it. Um, Stace, he wasn't the only one that talked on Tuesday. Hal Steinbrenner also had a Zoom. Uh, we had a little bit we wanted to pull from that. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at this first clip. It was awful. I mean, we we accomplished nothing. We we didn't win a division, didn't make it to the playoffs, didn't win a series in the playoffs, much less a championship. Uh, you know, I, I went over the winning record. That's a requirement as far as I'm concerned. So the fans uh, didn't get anywhere close to what they deserve. But, you know, we're all very passionate about this. We're, we're working our ass off. And, um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to write the ship for 2024. Stacy, let's call a spade a spade. There wasn't a whole bunch talked about here in this Zoom no. uh, from Hal Steinbrenner. <laughs> but I wanted to pull this out and defend Hal Steinbrenner here. Look, you can be mad at him all you want. But at least by comparison to Cashman, he understands the problem here. At least here he's saying, look, we screwed up. It was bad. Let's fix it. Great. That's good. He's yeah. in the right mindset at least. Yeah. You know, and the fans didn't deserve it. Thank you, Hal. We didn't deserve this at all. You know, I have friends who were like seriously considering not watching the Yankees until they fix things because it's just become such a drag watching this team play. And it's these are people who've been watching them. I know someone who's been a Yankee fan for 50 years. And he's like, I, I watched two games. <laughs> he's like, I can't even be bothered anymore. So, yeah, he came out. As much as he didn't say anything in a Zoom, because he really didn't say a lot, like he, he was speaking for like 30 minutes and said nothing. But that was the one thing that he said that was right. And that fans should actually be like, okay, where, as we spoke about it in the last segment, Cashman just came out <laughs> firing on all cylinders and just so defensive about everything. And it was such a, like, I feel like Hal understood that, you know, people are disappointed where cashman's just like well it's not my fault <laughs> that's almost what it feels like he it's like he's not taking any of the blame and hal is just like yeah you know we screwed up and we're gonna work hard and try and fix things in 2024 there's such a difference between the two of them it's really did they speak before they i don't know it's just really weird like they like yeah. they didn't even communicate because one's going one direction the other one's going woo in the total other direction it's so odd what a weird day <laughs> what a weird day when it didn't have to be a weird it did day. Not. Mm -mm. None of this really even had to happen. They called both these press conferences themselves. None of this had to happen. Yeah. Um, Stace, that wasn't all we wanted to talk about. Quickly wanted to get to this. Um, and by the way, all this audio and video is courtesy of SNY. Um, but uh, we wanted to pull this one. This is a tweet coming from Justin Shackle about this, uh, saying, Hal says the advent of this particular self-evaluation period began with last year's ALCS sweep, and by bringing in Omar Minaya and Brian Sabian, said the organizational meetings that took place after this season lasted eight hours for three days straight. Stacy, the weird part about that for me is they self-evaluated after the ALCS and then nothing changed heading into 2023? Yeah, that was my takeaway from it. As soon as I saw that tweet, I thought to myself, well, that's frightening because <laughs> after they got swept in the ALCS, they didn't really do much to change things for 2023. And we saw what happened in 2023 because the whole thing was the Yankees played above their heads in the first half of 2022 and then were basically like 500. And then they just continued to be 500. And you go from that to, oh, we had organizational meetings and this is why I brought these guys in to change things. And then you have a season where you finish 82 and 80, worst record in 30 years. You don't make the playoffs. You have a nine game, nine game losing streak and everything's falling apart. That's frightening. 
Yeah. <laughs> Again, learning from your mistakes, something that was not seemingly fixed mm -mm. and that's that's the problem is again you can forgive all the issues if you are heading in the right direction afterward if you learn from your mistakes and everything we have seen i'm still glass half full here i'm still glass half full but have you learned from your mistakes tbd uh let us know all your thoughts in the comment section here on youtube i'm sure you have a million let us know down below okay but some other news, and if you're looking for a silver lining here and some better news, the Yankees have offered their position of hitting coach to somebody. Who is he? That's next. Back here on Locked On Yankees, Stacey News coming out on Tuesday. This had they not had all their stuff today, we probably <laughs> would have been leading with this, um, but it gets pushed to the back end here. This is not 100% official, but multiple outlets reporting um, that the Yankees have offered their hitting coach position to James Rousen. Um, we wanted to talk about James Rousen here today. He's kind of bounced around. He was formerly in the Yankees system uh, as the MILB hitting coordinator on two different stints, a total of six years. Uh, he was with the Twins. He was with the Marlins. He was with the Tigers most recently, Stacey. Um, just your initial reactions to this in general. Of course, again, this is not an official signing yet. They haven't signed the dotted lines. It isn't set in stone, um, but it looks like it's heading that direction. Yeah, I didn't really know about him, so I had to read up on him. And there's one big thing that we need to bring up is that um, during the time he was the hitting coordinator between 2013 and 2016, he had a close relationship with Captain Aaron Judge, <laughs> which bodes well for him coming back and being the hitting coach so i feel like with all those outlets reporting it it's probably going to be a done deal and from the stuff that i read about him i'm actually pretty excited about this and i recommend that everyone else reads up on him because if you don't know anything about him there are some things written just google them and uh we'll put should we put a link in the description yeah to one i'll of the, do that yeah, yeah there's uh there was a story on espn about him when he moved to the marlins I believe assistant hitting coach role. Um, so go check that out. I'll leave it. It's a really, really good read. I really mm -hmm. liked it. And that's where I'm pulling a lot of this information here today. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, so in 2019, Stace, uh, he was with the Twins. Of course, that was the juice ball years. So you, you take this with a grain of salt. But they did hit an MLB record uh, 307 home runs that year. So still had to <laughs> yeah. do it. Still had to do it. Yeah. So, but, so I, I wanted to go from, let, let's run down the the run here. So Lawson to Casey to Rousen, right? Lawson, as we've talked about on multiple occasions, preached, hit the ball hard, pull side in the air, okay? Sean Casey, eh, let's go to right center, deeper counts, line drive approach. Okay, cool. Now, Laws, uh, rather, Rousen, gosh, that's going to be tough, huh? Rousen. <laughs> Rousen feels like, yes, he likes the ball in the air, launch angle, hard hit, pull side approach, but isn't afraid to adapt the style throughout the players that he has. Mm -hmm. He is very much preaching, hey, every player is different. I have a general philosophy, but I'm not afraid to sway from it that I'm going to let this player do what he does best. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have talked about that is something that you have to do in all of sports you cannot turn 
some player into a player that he is not supposed to be. You cannot make Clark Schmidt be the ace of the New York Yankees. And that's okay. He doesn't have to be. Right. You don't have to have Anthony Volpe hitting 45 home runs a year. That's what Aaron Judge is for. <laughs> you want Anthony Volpe to occasionally run into a homer, hit 15 to 25 a year. You want him to get on base. You want him to move. You want him to run. You want him to cause havoc. That's the player he's supposed to be. And it feels like James Rousen might be the right guy to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Stace, I'm a little excited about this. I feel like this might be the right move. I want to I want to give credit when credit's due. This seems like the right guy. Yeah, this seems like a smart move for the Yankees. Um, you know, his having experience with them helps. Um, so they're familiar with him. And I feel like this is, yeah, like, like, like I said, when I was reading up, I was like, oh. I like this approach to things because, you know, there isn't a one size fits all when it comes to baseball, obviously, because I mean, look at how different players are and their styles and their handedness and their sizes. Like literally you have little dudes like Jose Altuve and giants like Aaron judge hitting the same amount of home runs in a year because baseball is just like that. And you can't put all on everyone. So I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. I can't believe I'm this excited about a hitting coach, but with the way the year's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, any good change, right? I yeah. also wanted to bring this up, Stace. So we knew that once Sean Casey took over, the same hitting approach was pushed throughout the minors, right? Hard hit, pull side in the air. That was still the approach throughout the system. The Yankees went into this, and again, credit where credit is due, knowing that they needed to hire a guy that can also set the mentality throughout the system. Mm-hmm. Well, who better than your former minor league baseball hitting coordinator? Great. Yeah. Awesome. What I also love about this, Stacy, is since he still has that, hey, I like home runs too, and I think that's great, he knows that that's not going to ruin anybody that's in the system right now. Everybody who's there coming the next season, they're going to have that level of familiarity. Hey, we're still talking launch angle in the air, pull side. We're still talking about that. That's great. But... Hmm. Hey, maybe you're not the right guy to fit that. And the Yankees seem to maybe now have that freedom. If Rousen accepts this job, which it looks like he's going to, it looks like the players are going to have that freedom now to be able to go, look, dude, pull side might be great for you, but pull sides, not great for me. I got to go the other way. Mm-hmm. I need to hit line drives. I can't get under the ball the same way. I keep popping out. It's not going to work. And it seems like now that freedom is going to like the reins kind of get loosened a little bit. Right. With a guy that's like, Hey, that's fine. Let's find what works for you. And that is so important for, you know, breeding major league talent, but also just making guys the best version that they can be. Again, it all comes back to don't make Clark Schmidt, the ace of the Yankees. Clark Schmidt is great as a four or five. And that's awesome. Don't make someone do something they're not comfortable doing. And I think again, this is going to be an under the radar thing that the Yankees do that might make a massive difference. I was going to say like, that is pretty, it's a pretty exciting opportunity for him because even though he worked with the team coming in, knowing the issues that this team has had for multiple seasons now offensively and coming in and possibly fixing that and making it. So it's not a problem anymore. Like be like, (laughs) you know, like that's, 
that's a good thing for your resume. You know, like, hey, I went into the New York Yankees organization and I fixed their offense. Kudos yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. And he does have familiarity with Aaron Boone. So there's that, you know, level of, of confidence there, which is great. Obviously, Boone would have signed off on this situation. Um, still no word on what happens to the assistant hitting coaches at this point that are yeah. still under contract. TBD on that front. Um, the only negative I see here, Stace, and it's a light negative, uh, is that, you know, they went and got Sean Casey because they wanted a guy with major league experience uh, as a player. And James Robinson does not have that. He did play in the system. He never got above high A, um, but that's just how she goes. Uh, he also played some indie ball, but that's about it. So that's the only downside I see here. But I mean, that's you know, drop in the pan. Well, isn't the saying those who can't do teach? So there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and those who can't do host podcasts and teach you what's going on. That's what I do. Um, hopefully, you're also excited about this. Uh, if you're not, let me just let us know why in the comment section. I'm curious to see what you guys have to say. And of course, with everything that we talked about here today, a very, very busy off season to start already, um, and we're just getting underway. Not even winter meetings; it's just GM meetings right now. So, uh, let us know how you're feeling about all this stuff, Stacy. What's coming up later on this week here on Locked On Yankees? We are doing Cody Bellinger making the case for Cody Bellinger. We'll do the pros, we'll do the cons, and we'll try to come to a conclusion as to should the Yankees try and get him or not. <laughs> Very big episode. Make sure to hit subscribe uh, so you don't miss it. And of course, Fan Mail Friday in a couple of days. You can join the Lockdown Yankees Insiders Club. Details in the episode description, of course, as well as a link to a 14-day free trial. And that's going to do it for today's Lockdown Yankees. I'm Steve Granato. And I'm Stacey Gotsoulias. We'll see you tomorrow.